Welcome to the Great Bass Tennis Podcast. This is your co-host Andy Fitzell alongside Steve Smith, episode 37. In this episode, we're talking about teaching young players. Young players also applies to adults. Of course, yeah. Very difficult entry-level tennis for adults. Mm-hmm. Such a difficult sport. Okay, let me just run through these few bullet points I've made. Concerns. Tennis teachers are losing their jobs for teaching technique. <laughs> That's a point. <laughs> yeah. Why? First and foremost, club owners, tennis directors, they want repeat business. The only business is the repeat business. Mm. If kids don't like their tennis lessons, they'll not want to come back. Of course, parents want their children to have fun. But what type of fun? Serious fun? Silly fun? Or something in between? Perhaps a combination. Mm. In many cases, tennis teaching pros can lose their jobs by actually trying to teach. Kids, getting kids to slow down, self-evaluate. Can you imagine a pro feeling like they're going to be fired? If the, if the pro is um, being paid by, are, are their lessons coming back? Uh, so sometimes it's, it's just a matter of they have to sell out and say, okay, we'll just make it fun, fun, fun. Yeah. I'd say the industry norm in the U.S., is it's tennis is more of a fun activity versus a true learning session. I mean, I love America, but do I, I, I don't love American tennis instruction. Disappointed overall by the results. The results of American tennis is a factor. It's not just a matter of pro tennis and not having, um, as, you know, I think people say the women are doing so well now. Uh, the men, not as well, but it's, it's, I think more not about pro tennis, but about college tennis. So many foreign players. There's a lack of regulations in tennis teaching. There's certainly a lack of educational merit. The terms, glorified babysitter and a tennis instructor, both require training. One requires less training. But I think education is needed for all participants, the club owners, education for quality tennis instruction, administrators, directors, the teachers, the players, the parents. Let's go through a list of what's not fun. <laughs> uh, sure, the personality of the pro is a factor. But it, yeah, I think that's the biggest factor, really. I mean, if you're with technical kind of things or education, you just gotta you gotta be able to entertain the troops. You gotta make it fun. With, um, I think about great tennis teachers, though. Um, it has a lot to do with years ago, people took private lessons, just one-on-one. -on -one, mm -hmm. And it wasn't private lessons plus all these groups. It was just, just private lessons and nothing else. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's a problem with, especially with young players, it being a carnival, a carnival atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, take three tennis courts. You make one where it's the jail. Make one where it's the factory and make one where it's the carnival. Well, the carnival, that's where the fun is. Yeah. No one wants to be isolated in, in jail and looking at four walls. But the factory is just the idea of, okay, I'm working the assembly line and I'm doing the same thing. I'm punching the clock in, I'm punching the clock out, and I've, I've got to do my job on the assembly line. Um, you know, it's not the matter. It's, it's not a matter of being accused of cookie cutter instruction. But tennis is not a sport 
that just one just picks the racket up and and spontaneously learns how to play. Yeah. Vic used to always say, uh, yeah, don't use the word natural. You'll just naturally learn how to swing. Yeah. But if someone's yeah. dribbling a soccer ball back and forth, say a group of eight-year-olds, or they're uh, dribbling a basketball back, ball back and forth, um, you can have fun making mistakes. It's not a, in tennis. It's hit the ball and you got to go walk 50 <laughs> yeah, feet to go pick it up. Points over. <laughs> or even getting kids just rally. Yeah. You know, what's not fun? Learning grips, learning the realities of the court, body balance positions, checkpoint for swings, just all overall core information. Um, yeah, because you have to slow down. You know, when you do those things and when you slow down, that's where, if, especially if there's not a whole lot of personality going on, yeah, you know, and attention spans, all that, it's just not going to happen. So, but even the target, when kids are shooting baskets, basketball, the, the size of the hoop uh, lets them know if, it, if it's a decent shot or not. Mm-hmm. Like shadow swinging, drop hitting, slow motion, uh, as you said, toss and catch. Um, any in all drills with no score, a lot of the cooperative partner drills. Um, the basics are not fun. So, but missionary zeal, you have to keep telling people you have to do this. Yeah. You know, granted with the little kids in elementary school, they'll sing the alphabet and they're not, they're not complaining, but you get to the point where, okay, I don't want to sing the alphabet anymore. Yeah. It's not that you're too cool for school. You just don't need to sing the alphabet anymore. I get that question a lot where, how do you make this fun? And you just mentioned it, you know, anything you can do to add a target and a score. So you can, you know, you can make a game out of anything. And that would be my advice is to try to add a target and a score to any kind of basic, fundamental, slow kind of, you know, whatever it's drudgery you want to call it, you know, drill. I tell, I tell, target and a score. I tell parents if your child reports that their tennis lesson was a total blast, it's a safe bet that very little learning, very little <laughs> development actually took place. Mm. Um, facts of our time, instant gratification. Yeah. I want it. I want it now. Delayed get gratification is generally not understood. We were talking about, quickly, we were talking about the marshmallow test where you could look that up and the kid, you know, <laughs> they get into a room and they go, you know, here's the marshmallow. You can have it now. But if you wait 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you could have two marshmallows. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, you know, and most kids would go for the one, but the ones that would wait for two. And I think they did some uh, long-term studies with it that became more successful. I heard, I heard it put this way, put five, five-year-olds mm. sitting at a table with five chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And if like they can sit there going. for five minutes, <laughs> then they get five chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yeah. And um, patience. Yeah. Patience is a virtue. Kids want to be entertained. Uh, young people are not playing backyard sports. They're not out running, riding their bike. Um, my mother's repeating this, but kids don't play outside. Kids are buying electric toys. You know, yeah. the holiday season has come a lot wrong. A Christmas uh, gift, a birthday gift. Mm-hmm. Electronic toys versus sporting equipment. Um, yeah. They're not facing the ups and downs of what happens with informal pickup sports, sandlot sports, picking right. teams, and you're the, you're the last kid picked. I remember uh, Vic Braden had the TV show, Vic's Vacant Lot. I know we're going to get into a 
couple sessions on on just Vic Braden. But Vic was uh, ABD, all but dissertation. He did all his graduate work to get his PhD, but then he wanted to prove that you could help a kid more on the playground yeah. than in the uh, the office, the idea of the, being on the psychiatrist's couch, psychologist's couch. You know, just playing, uh, you know, whatever, ba- you know, on your neighborhood street, myself growing up, like just playing baseball, you know, and you have, okay, you have rocks for bases or whatever, shoes, and just you know, hitting running the bases and just falling down, you know, scraping your knee, your hands, whatever, and getting a little bloody, and and you just get back up and keep playing, but... It seems like kids are getting a little softer, right? Well, baseball was scaled down to softball, scaled down to if you play kickball with the, ru- with the rules, yeah, then wiffle ball. Yeah. Um, with. I guess my point to that is, like, yeah, just get out and get dirty and <laughs> make some mistakes and, you know. A lot of parents have a very difficult time. I can understand it if there's not a trust factor, but they just watch and watch their child play. Of course, sometimes, you know, they're not really watching as much as you think because they can do so much work on their phone and their computer. Yeah. Um, But there's very few times that tennis kids in the U.S. grow up without having adult supervision. There's just parents and coaches there. And there's some lessons lost with that. The three E's of a tennis lesson, enjoyment, call it entertainment, enjoyment, exercise, education, you know, there, it is true that there's an art of hiding camouflaging education. Mm. Have a large bag of ideas to teach students about letting them know they're being taught. Uh, using trickery, Dennis Vandermeer, what a master tennis teacher. You must trick the little buggers. Like well, even um, today, uh, you know, Coach Ilya was out on the court and actually on our on our backboard court. And, you know, the kids were trying to make baskets, right? So the, the, the target was high and elevated and the, it was fun. But at the same time, they're, they're learning a vertical upward swing. Yeah, that's, there's just an example. Th- th- that's so one of the problems. Is that one of the problems that you have to always take a second look if they're, if there's just, if there's, are they having fun is learning taking place. John Wooden, don't mistake ac- activity for learning. Yeah. Uh, Back to the bag of tricks, uh, Dennis Vandermeer always had prizes. His gold medallions were really not gold, but be creative. Kids, you know, the posters obviously have to have a budget, but a poster, stickers like they mm. do in uh, elementary schools, you know, put a star in a kid's paper. Yeah. I know people that put little stars on kids' rackets. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember using uh, Tic Tacs. I mean, sugar's a drug. <laughs> Come up with a better prize. They probably have sugar-free ones now. But Leo would I was doing a traveling clinic teaching parents how to teach their children. And um, I remember this one kid, you had to just play statue, reach up, shake hands with a giant, count to five backwards, uh, just these few things. And the kid did it one time, and the mother just gave the whole case of Tic Tacs. I said, no, no, no. I think there's like 40, 40 pieces of candy in a little in the little plastic box they come in, and they a little container. and Got the whole cookie. Just give them one for doing something 10 times or, yeah. or thereabouts. Um, back in the day when people had pro shops, I mean, I know, uh, you know, people would get po- give points and there'd just be a way to tie the kid into the pro shop. I do think just mm-hmm. like what I said earlier, is I know a lot of pros would say, okay, whoever does this gets a Coke at the end of practice, but I'd stay away from Cokes and candy. 
I remember doing a uh, water balloon Friday. You know, that's more for a camp, but the kids get points, um, get points for, as a team. Yeah. With, but you have to have prizes, something the kid really wants. With, and then um, you got to be careful, right, to not overdo it because then they always expect or yeah, want to have extrinsic, them, intrinsic right? rewards. Yeah, exactly. We'll come back to this when we talk about uh, target tournaments, form tournaments. Yeah. Without structure, you will have chaos. Rules rule the day. I think it's very good in a group setting. You know, coach has a whistle. The coach claps their hands three times, but the rules form the form the the culture. Um, you don't get too many whistles these days. I mean, we use them, but you don't see that very often. Yeah, a lot of times at a tennis club. Clubs, a lot of times you know, at yeah. a tennis club, you got to be quiet. Yeah, a couple courts playing next to you. But let's go through this: a form tournament. You have prizes for the form tournament. You do it on an individual basis, team format. You certainly film, make a movie from your form tournament. It creates mm-hmm. accountability. It shows a purpose. Kids really need to know why why they're learning strokes. Um, I worked at a college where they had a, a old gym and uh, Tyler junior college, Apache bells. They were big time. The time I was there, they went to the white house twice and the super bowl twice. Mm-hmm. And the first Monday of the summer camp, um, Apache bells were not in session during the summer. And there was mirrors all around this small gym and just, go very very slowly but then they're put in teams we had judges you know there's there a point system but the whole day was just to learn a fundamental base i like to tell people initially it's not about your game it's about the game yeah just learn the game yeah and even for high level players you need to be able to look on the other side of that we'll uh, produce a slow motion narrated analysis of a player and we have a couple of players here right now 17-year-olds that we're doing that for. And it's like, no, no, let's just go through. We've got, we went through the assessment, but let's just go through tennis. Yeah. You should be on the other side of the net and be able to formulate game plans based on your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. The form tournament, uh, it creates performers. Uh, it's it's beyond, the, beyond the activity level, the entry level of tennis, kids are going to compete uh, to be performance-oriented. With um, where versus how. That gets into a target tournament. But initially, the form tournament is how. Um, I think this is something that USTA should do. Uh, I've, told, I've said this in meetings before. Have posters of the best players. Yeah. Show Roger Federer. Show Serena Williams with palm down. Salute position on the serve. And then... And, these um, early childhood development classes, the first, you know, if it's a 60 minute class, the first seven minutes, the last seven minutes, okay, we're, we're working for the forum tournament and, yeah. there's, and there's prizes. Kids need to learn to freeze. Yeah. They need to learn to hold their balance. Um, you think about some sports like figure skating and gymnastics. You can have judges, okay, show us the picture. What's it look like? Yeah. Um, who's going to be on the cover of uh, Tennis Magazine? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to scale it down. It's not always a tennis camp setting where you have kids for a week, but if it's, again, just that one-hour class. 
just having kids go through the stroke backwards to be able to count. You know, we do that with, we call it the 42 second or the 48 second drill. Mm-hmm. If we do the backhand volley as a one hand or two hander, you know, we have eight times six seconds. This is one with thousand, two with thousand mm-hmm. to do it slowly. Um, target tournaments, you know, with, we talked about Peter Burwash, how he used to break the court into four quadrants. You can have it be one shot. It could be combination shots. You know, with teams, you make team names. It could be court versus court, group versus group. So maybe it's just a three-court clinic, and it's like, ready, go. How many times does this group get the forehand volley to go into the cross-court quadrant or whatever quadrant you designate? Skill tournaments, which is very similar, but it's, it's combining how to hit the ball, where to hit the ball. Um, test as you go, like in learning anything with you can isolate one task. It could be a, a number of tests. Um, just like in school, students need to be tested. If one really t- learns to play tennis, I mean, a tennis match is, is a competition. A competition is a test. We tell people that competition is matching your mind, your body, your spirit, your tennis game against your opponents. Swimming. This is a point to make for parents. I think it just must be mentioned when you're training people who are teaching young tennis players. Tennis is not a life-saving skill. Swimming is. Mm -hmm. Therefore, swimming is more important than tennis. Mm -hmm. When I look at tennis, when, when I look at the industry norm. I look at young kids on a tennis court. I watch how they're swinging the ball. It to me looks like they're drowning. Yeah, because the technique's just not going to hold up. So when someone signs up, the parent signs a child up for swimming. They truly believe their child's going to learn how to swim, and I think it should be a ditto. It should be when a kid signs up for tennis, they're going to learn how to play. It's like, all right, so my responsibility, these kids have to learn to be able to rally, and that's that's really where the where the fun begins. Right. So tennis should be treated the same. You know, no one dies from poor stroke production. People can die, unfortunately, in a fatal accident swimming, but um, people do leave the game. And I do think that comes back to the business side of tennis. Only business is a repeat business. Why would people lose their job teaching technique? I know I've gone places that working as a consultant and you go in and the, the tennis teaching program, you know, maybe it's a new director that we're, we're affiliated with and they've inherited this mess and say, well, okay, some of these kids are 15 years old, the horse is out of the barn. And um, you certainly give them the option. I've had told so many people say, well, have A and B and you know, this group is going to be match play and simulated drills, and this group is going to be skill acquisition. Yeah. But, okay, if anybody's under the age of 10, um, it's quite difficult for someone to go backwards and unlearn. That's where the phrase, no substitute for a good beginning. Um, kind of seems like you just need to have an orientation, you know, which I've done that several times where – before a six-week block or an eight-week block, you, you know, you try to have an orientation with the parents or at least send something out and you go, here's here's what the program is, this is why, and this is what your kid's going to learn, and 
here's what is going to be achieved over the next you know eight weeks these are the skills that they're going to develop and you know to move on to the next level or whatnot no that's where class this is what needs to be achieved you got to be able to hit top spin you have to know the grips you have to know the court those no for things. sure education um yeah, that's in the notes most places don't most people don't have uh orientation the philosophy it's people first and profit second but i think people in tennis are looking at the short-term profit because if you go in and you implement a program that slows people down and you film and you say okay we got to go backwards and you know maybe some of the kids they just can't play at all from the service line in um but that's where the the owner the director uh, they're really just worried about revenue going down yeah with um, for the long term, though, not for the short term, but for the long term, students need to be taught better for more retention. That's where our our, our systems of systems. One is filming kids. If if they've played any tennis, they have to be filmed. Yeah. It's a prerequisite, and then you're documenting development. Yeah, and you know, do that without any instruction at first. It's labor intensive. But it's definitely going to help with retention. Yeah. Plus, that's the thing. It's fun for the kid and the parent is to show them the improvement, and that slows down the, the shopping and bopping where people go from one place to the next, searching for the holy grail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, when someone leaves a tennis program, typically they go down the street, and it's not like they go on a national search. They, right. Um, they, they don't go too far from home. Yeah. I pride myself on being able to make anything a tournament, a tweener tournament. I mean, you can have catching a ball. It's it's yeah. with electronic toys and kids just playing with their thumbs now. Too many video games. You know, you do have to teach people how to catch and throw more so than years ago. Yeah, but you can make it a tournament. Who mm-hmm. can catch the ball? You know, just toss balls under, and if you drop it, you're out. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that's round one. Everybody has to run in place. Or once you're out, you you skip rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they don't know how to skip rope, but they're trying to, to skip rope. Right. Um, you know, drop hitting the ball in the alley. You know, I used to uh, have a feeding tournament. You know, so, okay, here's a target, and who, you know, you're feeding balls, and who can hit the target? You can make anything a tournament. Yeah. And that gets kids learning to compete anyway. Let you know. If yeah. It, if there's a little prize or whatever it may be, some kind of motivation. Just come up with contests and contests within contests. Mm. Uh, for example, you can have a a target tournament. And one group against the next, one court versus the next court. And you allow the tennis camp version, you allow people to scream and yell and get all excited like they're at a basketball game. But you say, okay, tournament, the tennis tournament vision, then it's it's totally quiet, TQ. Mm. Uh, Show and tell. Um, During a water break, okay, you know, player from one court versus the next court, okay, who can demonstrate the forehand? Mm hmm. Most efficiently, who can explain the forehand the most efficiently? Asking mm-hmm. questions, feedback. You got to be clever. Like say a relay race. You can do a relay race where someone has to, you know, you could, they're going to say even just drop hit a forehand, and they have to hold the Welby Van Horn three eight system of balance from the ground up, heel, hip, and head, so they're on balance. And the person behind them has to roll a ball that hits their back foot. <laughs> So the trick is, I mean, they just think, coming back to Dennis Vanderman, they just think, okay, we're doing this fun drill with all these crazy rules, but you're camouflaging how to hit a forehand. Yeah. 
you could do it where they just have to run up and tap the player's foot. And then that's the three E's of a lesson is that you have the kids, they're running back to the fence. Yeah. You know, they're working up at the service line. One's drop hitting. They got to run all the way back to the fence. Yeah. I mentioned this often. Mark Spann, a former student, um, I picked this up from him. Happy or successful. We ask parents that use the opposites attract. We cover that in brain typing where one parent will say, I want my child to be successful. There's, I want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. It's a course at at Harvard called happy. I have the book up in the library, the audio tapes that go with it. Um, In tennis, ideally one is already happy. They figured it out. They're playing tennis. It's not like they're at the, uh, the child's or in the hospital. They have their health, they're playing a game. So that really should be the the answer. Uh, yeah, I am happy. So now I just, to be successful. Um, when you say happy, my movie brain, you know, you always say, I got a lot of useless information up there. But I just think of Happy Gilmore. Okay, happy. You know, Bob Barker. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the actor who does says, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Uh, happiness is fleeting. You want joy. Um, yeah. Comes and goes too quickly. Exactly. With um, game-based training, kids love it. That's the industry norm. To me, perhaps I'm just 100% cynical on this, but really the bottom line is money. It's just great for the repeat business. I mean, I do understand that there's a lot to be said for game-based training, using situational play. Um, But if they're going through um, situational play and they haven't gone through skill acquisition, you've got the cart in front of the horse. It's just not going to work. But to combine game-based training with form-based training, call it principle-based training. Um, Our name, kids have to build a foundation. Richard Hernandez, who we interviewed, he's the one who came up with the the name great base because just in conversation tennis needs a great base initiative yeah who in their right mind can argue in any form of a learning that the person doesn't need a great base it's just like math yeah i would on, just say foundation a great foundation on sesame street there's the count you got to count first one two three then you add then you subtract um any drill Scale it up, scale it down. Baseball, tennis. One player becomes a human ball machine. That mm-hmm. could be another name for it. Mm-hmm. And you can go out and just scale that down where um, initially it could just be tossing under it. It could be two bounces. Mm-hmm. And then you could do it where it's just, you got to keep the ball in one service box, toss to the forehand, toss to the backhand, and you can keep score. Um, you can do it where it's not uh, one against the other, but it's, uh, say you get six kids on a court very easily. We'll go through how to use a tennis court, but it's the it becomes a partner drill. Yeah. So the two that are tossing back and forth, um, you, you know, you have to be able to catch. You have to be able to toss. You play that full scale. You learn so much from it. It's a fitness drill. You can really become a better athlete. So you're going baseline to baseline. You have the server sure. serve the whole time. Typically, for best results, you just have the baseball player have one serve. 
GLM is something to review and talking about teaching young people or beginning adults. Yeah. You shorten the racket, you shorten the court, you shorten the stroke. Graduated um, length method. Yeah. So there certainly can be overteaching and underteaching. Are there rather be accused of overteaching? But just say, for example, uh, you, we're just going to tap the ball contact point to contact point. You just show people, okay, um, palm guidance. You drop it a few balls with your palms, okay, to choke up on your racket. Yeah, so goes the um, palm, so goes the racket. Elaine Mason was a tennis teacher in the 50s who was really known for uh, what she did in physical education with uh, progressions for tennis. Hmm. So you, you know, you put your four st- fingers against the strings, and you put your, and now you go down the shaft of the racket, and you're just with your partner. And it's footwork, footwork. You're just tapping the ball back and forth. And right away, lesson number one, okay, yeah, we 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 know a lot of the ins and outs of technique, but let's just have these people have some fun rallying. rallying and you only learn yeah. by making mistakes. So there, there needs to be movement. Um, Braden used to have a pet peeve, many, like we all do. Said he never wanted an instructor to say, in the next class, what we're going to do yeah. is you just go bell to bell. Yeah, The KISS method, uh, Something people heard us say over and over again, keep it simple, stupid. We don't use that method. We understand where you have to simplify, but a kid's not stupid. Don't underestimate the capacity of the learner. Yeah. It's interesting when people talk to a, a young tot, they start talking louder. You know, like they're li- like they're talking to an old person who's losing their hearing. Yeah, the voice changes a little bit. Um, the doctoral jargon, you got to be careful. You don't have to. Um, be dropping the $14 words. There can be uh, a problem with paralysis by analysis, overloading. Uh, but at the same time, the kid's a sponge. They're not going to get it all at once, just keep coming back to them. Um, so you have to avoid perfection. It's a build-up breakdown process. Mm. Lombardi, we're going to chase perfection, catch excellence. Um, here's some equipment that... Um, we have, a, we're a little bit short on this one point. We always have hula loops. We don't have any hula loops. Those are great targets. Many things you could do with a hula loop as well. Yeah. So you can even have a kid swing different size hula loops. You can have a, a right-hander hang onto the racket with their left hand, which keeps the racket, the left hand on the same side of the body, and they have to just have a circular swing, the Ferris wheel swing. You can hula hoop too. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, but one exercise I've told the class about in, in improv, you know, some um, things I've done where you have to hula hoop you know, say if there's a kid that's really shy, trying to get him out of his shell, you make him hula hoop and then they have to go around and make eye contact with every every kid in the group. So you just kind of get over that fear factor or whatever, the embarrassment that's uncool or whatever. You just got to own it. You know, you just hula hoop and, <laughs> and make eye contact with some people. Roger Federer, you can go to YouTube, plug in Roger Federer hula hoop and you can watch him giving it a try. Yep. He was put in some situation where he was asked to hula hoop. Yeah, you got to own it. The noodles, uh, uh, the gadgets, the uh, teaching aid that they use at swimming pools, eye coaches, yeah. basketball, yeah. soccer balls, tennis balls, uh, this, the zigzag balls, three balls in a sock. Yeah. That's the old baseball trick. Baseball weighs two ounces. Uh, tennis balls, tennis ball weighs two ounces. Baseball player, baseball is closer to six ounces. So put three balls in a sock. Yeah. You swing it the right way. Here's form, forming a throwing motion. If not, the ball's waiting in the back of the head. We have portable backboards, old rackets to throw. Yeah. Uh, footballs, we've got little footballs, big footballs. There's lots of things for fitness, hurdles, ladders. 
different types of balls, a Nerf ball, a red ball, an orange ball, a green dot ball, a regular ball. Yep. A few things on the transition balls. Years ago, there was a rally ball. It was 7% bigger. Unfortunately, it didn't make it. It was great. Slowed it down. Only problem was it didn't go through a ball machine. I say it didn't make it. Everybody wanted to play with what the pros were playing with. The transition balls come from Belgium. The um, two players growing up in different parts of Belgium, um, Justine Hennen and Kim Kleisters, that's where it originated from. And they're great, great training tools. I can... Anyway, with those two girls, remember, listeners, they had strokes. Yeah. They just rolling out the red balls isn't going to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, we used to take a, a metal brush, a wire brush, and try to fluff the balls up because it is important to slow the balls down. Mm. Teaching young people, 7,200 square feet. If you take the distance from the baseline to the fence, okay, it's... Uh, 1,260 square feet. So you do it on both sides. You've got 20, uh, 2,520 square feet. 35% of the tennis court is the area from the baseline to the fence. There's so much that you can do on 7,200 square feet. Yeah. Especially if you have kids play 42 feet apart, service line to service line, if you have them play with the 10 and under lines. But be creative with your space. Stations. Yeah. Speaking of Roger Federer, uh, I've seen this many places, but I was in Switzerland a few times, and the kids come out, they have fun playing um, indoor ball hockey. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, Federer's been interviewed, said, I love playing indoor ball hockey. Um, you know, commonly referred to here in this part of the world as street hockey, it is a ton of fun. Yeah. And people get just to play, even if they've never played before. It's like, okay, I got this. Um, yeah. Do things where they can become athletes really from A to Z, you can incorporate other sports. You can, you can have kids doing footwork drills, um, but they could be drilling basketballs. They can be, uh, again, soccer balls, playing catch. Um, remember, it's all a process. You're teaching the kids to throw on day one. You're teaching kids to catch. Um, you want to think about, okay, I've got a group of eight. I got a group of 12, 20 doesn't matter is you have to teach everybody from the beginning where they're going to be an army. They're going to be able to help each other out. It's like, okay, this little eight year old is going to be my assistant. Yeah. That's where I, you know, station training. I mean, adults do it when they go to a fitness class, you know, you go, you do a circuit, right? You do circuit training. And that's basically what it is. You just have a circuit, not a circus, but a circuit and you'd have, okay, these different eight exercises, let's say, and then you just rotate and that keeps them active as well, you know, where they don't lose interest and the attention span, all that kind of stuff is, is uh, you just have them rotate every five minutes or seven minutes and get on, a lot done and it's fun. On our long course, uh, Tennis Intelligence Applied, free course found on our website, there is a couple of different clips of, you know, like 24 yeah. people on a tennis court. Yeah. Cones. Cones, as we, obviously, can be used for, for targets and movements. We're just talking about the pylons. And, yes, we have people hit off the cone. Um, there's a language for hitting off the cone. One, don't be too cool for school. Yeah. Hit the cherry off the ice cream cone. In other words, you're going to hit the yellow ball and not the orange cone. The phrase, own the cone. Yeah. Um, we are asked, how do we get a kid to hit off the cone? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, we film players. We start a video file. We start a written file. So the skills test, 
Plus, you know, we have the goal sheet. They're telling us they want to be a great player. Yeah. With, we use science. We use logic. We don't use the KISS method. We don't underestimate the capacity of the learner. So it all becomes one. Mm-hmm. Um, letting them know how other sports work. Um, the on-deck circle in baseball. Yeah. Uh, for 15 years, I worked at a place where the Yankees played their spring baseball in our backyard. Mm-hmm. It was fun to say, okay, let's go for a field trip. Derek Jeter, famous player with the Yankees for many, many years, watching him standing next to a tee yeah. with a baseball and a swing coach. That's what they'll say in baseball, a swing coach. Well, and the thing is, too, is that's the highest level. You know? Yeah. That's the very highest level. So it's like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's where, I mean, that's where tennis he, players, even at the highest level, you, you could slow things down to work on some things. Manny Ramirez one of the best hitters in the history of baseball, he used to travel. He'd go on a road trip and he would take a baseball tee with him. Yeah. Baseball tee is very similar to the cone, same purpose. If you go out and watch little kids play baseball, they don't have a pitcher. No one's thrown it to them. They set it on the tee and they have have some fun with it. Mm -hmm. Um, They have older, they have younger players see older players do it. They only have to do it for a few minutes. Yeah. We tell our students who go off and play college tennis, they'd be going to a power five conference. They should take a cone with them. I tell people all the time, you could be the only kid on a college campus yeah. to hit off a cone. Yeah. A thousand one tricks with a cone. Uh, tell kids to hit four off the cone and then jump 40. Yeah. Skip rope, jump rope behind it. Or, okay, let's see you do 40 double jumps and hit four off the cone. Guaranteed they're going to go really slow, <laughs> yeah. you know, catching their breath. Yeah. Um, it's a standstill shot. The follow shot in basketball, standstill shot. Static balance. If I had a nickel for every time I've said this, Roger Fetter, Lynette Fetter's mother, Roger, when Roger was eight, during his lessons, he stood in one place with long follow-throughs for the entire hour. Um, Michael Jordan was one of Roger's heroes. As great an athlete as Michael Jordan was, he still... Um, would practice that standstill shot, the foul shot. It's yeah, part of, of the course. sport, the make the shot. Yeah. Um, in, in college tennis, high level, usually the number's 300. Kid has to make 300 standstill shots. So I, but this one thing too, is that tennis players, uh, many of them that we work today, that's all they do is play tennis. They've never played other sports. They've never been exposed to other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like um, they go visit their uncle and their uncle's watching the baseball game. Now yeah. they have their own phone. You know, now um, it's not like you have three generations stand, sitting in front of a TV watching a ball game. And there's so much crossover, too, the things that are going to help from one sport to the next or to, from one sport to tennis. You know, obviously there's a lot of the players, that, you know, soccer and the footwork and the leg strength and all that kind of stuff. But baseball, basketball, just being an overall athlete. I heard Paul McDonald, a uh, longtime friend, longtime coach who's based in Chicago, said, you know, once you've coached someone for a long period of time, you can tell so many stories about that person. Another reason you can do it is if you ever, if you got some juice, if you got some adrenaline, um, I have great memory for this story and that story with, with players that I've spent time with. Here's a few stories about hitting off the cone. And again, there are many. Um, first of all, not too many people have hit off a cone. So if they come, say they've sent to us or... Yeah. And that's how, you know, we don't advertise a coach. Someone will send someone to us. They could say be 14 years old and they show up, we film them. 
and we're trying to we're going to try to accelerate the process, but we not to the point where it's microwave. Yeah, it's not. It's going to be more of a holiday meal than, um, <laughs> you know, putting the microwave uh, TV dinner on it in sixty seconds to go, or however that works. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like coming back to people watch the little kids hit off a cone in baseball. First impressions are everlasting, so kids are shocked. They're just shocked when they have to hit off a cone. <laughs> but once again, you know, we don't do that unless we film them. And we go through all this information. Yeah. You know, granted, the term self-discovery comes up. And you do want to get to the point where, you know, kids do learn through self-discovery, play matches. Um, most of the time, especially teenage boys, they don't learn through advice. They learn through experience. Yeah. The two million time clubs. You got to tell them a million times. They don't do it a million times. Yeah. Who's smarter, a teenage boy, and I was one of them, or a dog? Uh, typically a dog is, has to, has to be told 4,000 times, 4,000 commands to perform one task. They just want the biscuit. Yeah. They just want the biscuit. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, getting the biscuit is a little simpler than getting the, the two inch trophy. Mm -hmm. So self-discovery does come into it. So a lot of times people think as well as command style. Oh, you know, you're being militant. You're making me hit a ball off a cone. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> so, Here's a story. Mom comes. Daughters. They're two, two sisters. So they're film, essential strokes, match play, skill testing. I mean, the running, the throwing, put it all on film. Mm -hmm. Fill out goal sheets. Have have the sets that they played charted. So then we get going and go out and show them the core information, the court, uh, the parts of the racket. And we do body balancing. You know, sooner or later, actually sooner, sooner <laughs> so the mom sees us have these girls are hitting a ball off a cone yeah she storms on the court and she she just storms on the court she's irate and she takes her kids off and she's basically her her scream was you're embarrassing my children this is degrading <laughs> so what happened is that she became an umpire you know, not that this was necessarily her, her reason, but I know a lot of people that they they figured out, well, I'll become an umpire. They'll give me, you know, $75, $150 a day, whatever it is, mm -hmm. put free coffee. Uh, my kids are going to be at the tournament and mm -hmm. and I'll get paid to be an umpire while my kids are at the tournament. Yeah. So I know a number of parents that have done that. So two years goes by, give or take a few months. And she's just watching the people that we've taught hit off the cone. And so eventually I get the phone call and she's just seen the development of our students. She apologizes, asked to meet with me, wants to have her daughters come to her program, second chance. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is two years later, they had to hit off the cone. <laughs> and it's, it's sad because, you know, so much damage is done. So much, the, the biocomputer, the athlete, they have to, Deprogram, reprogram. So th they both they worked with us for several years, and they both went on and played small college tennis. But the the thought is, I wish they had started earlier. Yeah. Now we we actually not to contradict myself, but we don't want to have people have wishful thinking. When people ask us how long is it going to take to change my strokes, we say a little less than the ice age because if they ask how long it's going to take, they're not thinking about changing their strokes; they're thinking about how long it'll take. Yeah, exactly. 
again, many, many stories, but here's one. Young guy, he's not so young anymore, junior or a yeah. really, really fast. In fact, I was listening to a podcast today with uh, Dennis Kudla, who's from the same club uh, in, in Washington, D.C., or that area. What's it called? Yeah, College Park. J- junior Champion. Yeah, Junior Champion Center, I think, College College Park. So, Something like that. Alex Vukovic, who I trained, ended up playing at Princeton. Um, he was working with Robin Anderson. So he takes Robin Anderson to, I think it's called JCC. Yeah. And so anyway, Junior shows up with his grandfather, Eddie, and they're only supposed to only be there for four days because Vukovic is trying to convince him to go to college and not turn pro. And he had the option to go down to Balateri's, you know, as a meeting with IMG and a possible possibility that he could turn pro. So he ended up staying for four months. And um, I wish that Vukovic could have been his shadow because Vukovic is with him the four months that he was with me. Mm. And, uh, you know, we sent him to uh, a couple of people that we trained um, for match play. I know you. We had Dave Anderson on a podcast. He spent some time with Dave Anderson. But if Vukovic could have been with him 24-7, 365 for several years. I know he's still playing. He's playing doubles. Um, but his tennis, I saw where Frantangelo was in a final just yesterday. Uh, I mean, Frantangelo's cracked the top hunter in the world. He um, was in the French junior final. He lost to, uh, or no, he beat. He beat Dominic Team. Yeah. So it was, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Frantangelo, I'm guessing, you know, he may have just you know, had a late start getting back to the U.S. on hard court. But I knew his game from, from junior tennis in Florida. So, but anyway, junior uh, had a big win by beating Frantangelo at Kalamazoo. But the whole point of this is that he said he was interviewed, or when he was interviewed, when he was interviewed, People said, where have you been? You haven't played. He said, the last four months, I hit off the cone four hours a day. <laughs> and no, he, he didn't hit off the cone four hours a day. But, you know, the, the fun part of that is um, we have it all documented. Yeah. You know, a little bit of fun with uh, juniors that um, he was out in California, a place uh, where one of our students runs a tennis program and academy. Jimmy Johnson, and you know Jimmy Johnson spent a little time with me. He was a kid, eighteen years old, and 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 since then, I mean, I've been out to his place. He sent his coaches here, and his older brother spent a lot of time with us. We've worked with his nephew for years. Mm-hmm. So Junior finds his way out there, and it's like, well, they ruined my game. It's pretty easy to bl- place blame, and I go, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, but we have film. No, I was we, out there. We for- have film. A little bit when, when Junior was out there with you. But, I mean, to just say, you know, four hours a day. Of, you know, even someone like Robin, she was she was number one in the country. And Vukovic convinced her father, Denim, to have her come down to work on her backhand. Um, but people will revert back. Yeah. Revert back. So if people were to study other sports, I always talk about Tom Brady, you know, he still does the same pretend he's taking a snap from the center and the same crossover steps to drop pass or the drop back. Yeah. You know, that his father taught him when he was elementary school. He's still doing the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes four minutes can feel like four hours. <laughs> um, 
with um, key points. To get a kid to hit off the cone, once again, get them out of breath. When you call people in and you're teaching technique, we sometimes we're not doing this because we have kids that are here for five hours. So we'll we'll have what we call a sit down chat, a lecture, but call people in, have a short demo, short explanation. One reason is the brain typing. You always have more extroverts than introverts. Also with attention spans, attention spans are shortened based on sugar intake, (laughs) kids playing video games, other electronic devices. They're just not used to, you know, it's when you, th- you go to tennis facilities, I've been to so many tennis facilities to train coaches and, you know, I, I can help the, the owners and the directors on how to make money. One is to have a classroom session, mm-hmm. you know, so the kids are, they're, they're only at your place for two hours. We'll make it two and a half hours and have it be a, a classroom session. Yeah. Misery enjoys company applied life principles. You have to always be teaching life principles. Mm. And just like in anything, if they want to be really good as a writer, it's, it's all mechanics. Yeah. It's all, it's all right there. Welby Van Horn, you have to get people to slow down and self-evaluate. Every kid should become a visual demonstrator. It should be like a train. The 18 should be able to pull the 16s. The 16 should pull the 14s. The 14 should pull the 12s. You know, in, in team situations like high school or college, the upperclassmen should pull, should pull the, the freshmen, the newcomers. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really make a critical study of tennis, like say in Florida years ago, we had less courts and all the players would congregate that all would meet at a municipality. You just go down to Miami and just work your way north. It's like, okay, Flamingo Park, and you keep going north, and there's a place called David Park. You keep going north, there's a place called Holiday Park. You keep going north, there's Memorial Park. And that's not really the case anymore. It's more, you know, there's um, a golf course built. <laughs> they put the really nice houses and then the yeah. townhouses and tennis, tennis is amenity golf. And so now this one pro, he's got six courts and other pros only got four courts, but they have programs. Yeah. Uh, that's one nice thing about up north in this country. Um, take a big city like Chicago. Um the weather's cold, you know, you know what everybody's doing because there's only so many indoor clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to surround the new kid with kids who can beat him. It's nice even to have, um, you know, say today we had a young player come out. He's 17 years old and uh, he's going to play tomorrow again. And, and be, the, the person who beat him is going to chart him. My English, they're going to chart the set. Yeah. Chart them. Chart them. And, but then, so, okay, this guy who beat me two and two or two and one, he's sitting there watching me play. He's taking notes. And then afterwards they say, go and sit, sit down, talk to him. He'll tell you about your game. Yeah. Um, that's another way to say, no, we don't use the kiss method. There's ways to teach really young kids to chart. You know, you get those pens, you click them, it's red, it's blue, you know, a cluster chart, you draw, draw a, picture of a tennis court and every time they miss a forehand, I mean, you can get an eight year old to chart. Yeah, I mean, the, just going back to what you were talking about before with, with one kid beating the kid and then charting and then teaching him a little bit. It's also humbling, you know, where we have 
very good players sometimes come in here and do the tiebreaker test or a skills test and they fail it because everybody does the first time. And it's a little bit humbling, like, well, you know, I actually can't hit a target. Maybe I really do need some work, you know? So I think that's important to get, to get people grounded a little bit first and then they're teachable. Um, Tyler, Texas. There's Tyler Junior College. Tyler. Tyler Junior College in the University of Texas at Tyler. So he's a young guy from overseas, and he has a falling out with a coach at the University of Texas at Tyler. So he comes over, he's practicing with us. And he made the mistake of just telling me how bad the girls on the tennis team were. This is funny. So I said, he goes, all these girls are terrible. I said, I get any of these girls to beat you. Mm -hmm. No way. I said, well, I can change, change the format a little bit. You can, he goes, you can do anything. I said, all right, <laughs> you're down five love in each set. You're down 40 love in each game. You only get one serve. And I said, that's it. You're going to lose. You lose to every girl out here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make it even worse. I mean, if you hit one ground stroke short, you lose the game. Yeah. So anyway, he hits his one serve. He misses it. And then he swears. Yeah. And I said, violation. Code, yeah. point penalty, game, set, match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit one ball. Uh, peer teaching for young players. It doubles the learning. Kids are more comfortable with other kids than adults. But with that, this is a side point. Make your kids greet adults. You know, maybe it's, hey, Mr. Andy, it's good to see us. It's interesting, you know, kids don't use last names like Mr. Fitzell, it's good to see you. But I just, it blows me away that young people don't, say hello yeah. to, to adults. Yeah. Don't greet them. Yeah. Uh, so peer teaching, uh, student assistance, I would have no scholarships is, you know, you, you certainly can help people, but have them be a student assistant. Don't, don't okay, this is a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, it's so important to have a sense of belonging for young kids to have an older kid greet them by name. And I will reprimand older kids where they don't, if they, they're, they're too cool for school and they're not, right. they, they need to say hello to everyone. Yeah. You know, plug in your personality. Yeah. Be a team as well. Um, so again, so powerful to have big kids greet little kids by name. Stratification, have people start together. The groups, obviously for compatibility, you need to spread your players out. And the older players can't always be with the younger players, mm -hmm. but they can start together. In a pyograph, you know, with technique, you know, maybe with some young players, it's the Spanish way. It's 50% tennis and 50% athleticism, 50% mobility. Mm -hmm. um, but even the best tennis players, and this is a major, major mistake, is the best tennis players, like Roger Federer, you know, say, hey, I got to go back to basics. It's just amazing how people don't do basics. They do in every other sport. If you watch other 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 sporting events and watch people practice, they're doing the same things they did when they were beginners, but not in tennis. Um, so the beginning of practice, the end of practice. Um, so you, you do have to be conscious of compatibility. It has to work. You have to make the practice. You can't always have an 18-year-old with an 8-year-old. Mm -hmm. Continuity in teaching. The, the fundamental is the fundamental. Uh, John Wooden again. The fundamental doesn't change, just the speed at which you have to execute that fundamental changes. Yeah. Um, with um, have kids give back to the program. 
and just tell them that. Don't be a taker. Um, I tell them parents all the time. I said, you know, instead of talking to your child about tennis, you know, I saw a parent the other day, you know, coaching his kid, and and you know, use targets. You know, don't get into teaching technique to your child if you're not a technician. Just say, okay, I'm going to feed the ball. You know, see, you hit your forehand. Uh, Dennis Vandermeer used to do that. It was so great. Um, you know, he would uh, put a target down. Somebody has just hit a cross court forehand. And so he has another player just put 10 balls. You know, they're hanging on to 10 balls and they're both. Dennis could do it in one hand, 10 balls. But mm. so the kid's got 10 balls between two hands and holding them against their chest. And Dennis feeds the ball and then the kid has to go and just mark the ball down. Yeah. And I mean, they, they can't hit the target. Mark where it landed. Yeah. Yeah. Mark where it landed. Always give homework. Educators give homework. There's ways to practice off the court. Um, we have that practice course online, how to practice at home. Um, you don't outgrow that. You just don't outgrow that. Uh, groups, kids know their level. Um, with uh, Vic Braden used to do this. You talk about reading groups. Okay? One group is the Blue Jays. One group's the Sparrows. One group's the Robins. But the Robins know they're the slow readers. With, um, you've heard me say this before, listeners, uh, hi, I'm John, I'm a high-performance coach. And I go, hi, I'm Steve, I'm a low-performance coach. It, it is what it is. If someone's a beginner, there's no shame in being a beginner. Everybody's a beginner when they started out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't, uh, don't camouflage that. Um, you know, it's just amazing that kids think they're elite. Um, even with the UTR, you know, kids uh, still stuck at being a seven, and but yet they think they're in the high performance group. Yeah, let me just go back quickly yeah. with homework. What what types of homework? I mean, I I can list some things that we do, but what do you think the types of homework to give a kid would be? Well, good for our listeners. Um, yeah, we're going to get down the, the list here. Is parent meetings, and you've already mentioned that orientation and mm-hmm. um, with you can do it now with a phone. I used to have coaches I've worked with. Hey, I did it myself so many times. Hey, I got to go to your house. And a lot of times I'm just walking around the house. Can they build a backboard in the backyard? You know, okay, what can you do? Show me your house. Do you have a spare room? Do you have a basement? Do you have a carport? Um, you need to practice before practice and after practice. Yeah. Your, your mom's going to take you to practice and she's um, getting ready. You're outside by the van. Um so the homework and your shadow swinging, yeah, extra extra reps. It could be shadow swinging, different things like that. But also, I mean, even the character side of things, like you say, hey, go, you know, on this YouTube, go look up Bear Bryant or whoever it is, you know, and then come tell me about it tomorrow. Yeah, we have this program, as you know, we've had a lot to do with it, the daily monitoring program. Yeah, it didn't start because of the pandemic. We had the idea before the pandemic, put it out there, called it back. But by the time we had taken some of the mis- mistakes out or improved upon it. We launched it a second time during the, ten, the pandemic, and you know I think 450 people signed up for it. You know now we're not even 10, um, and we wanted our older players to do it to be a, a giver, to be a role model, not to be a taker. Yeah. Um, a lot of those were coaches and parents though as well, so not all. Of yeah, yeah, but there was. I mean, it's just. Did, uh, it's just bad, bad, bad. There's so few people yeah, doing it. Yeah. And it, we, we streamlined it where you can, you can really do it in two minutes. Um, well, it's, you know, you say that all the time with, 
various things where you tell a hundred kids to do, you know, okay, three balls in a sock. There's a homework assignment to do this 10 times a night in one out of a hundred or two out of a hundred. Yeah. It's uh, we play that song with a green beret, a hundred tested, you know, three become members of the green beret. Less than 3% of kids will play college tennis. Of the kids who play college sports, less than 2% will be pros. So um, it's not to, to take the air out of anybody's sails, but no, it's uh, they need to do their homework. And then you need to ask them, say, look me in the eye. Yeah. I did that today. I, you know, we showed uh, two brothers these fitness drills to do and then say, you know, right today, that's accountability. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I, I don't want to be negative, but a lot of people aren't checking if you did their homework. You know, did you do your homework? I mean, kids leave here and I say, send me an email. Send me an email. Are they keeping a journal? Are they just sitting down? Is there any reflective, even just appreciation? Your parents are, um, I tell kids all the time, if they're in tennis lessons, okay, we know you're loved. Okay, your parents are showing so much love, giving you this opportunity, but it's all about respect. Yeah. And you have to, you have to give to get, you know, the kids got to give effort to get respect. And, you know, I tell kids that we have in our program, you know, great kids working hard. Some of them we've been working with for five years and their parents have made great sacrifices. They've moved here to work with us. And I tell them they're part-time, you know, um, you know, I know a lot of parents, they wouldn't want their kids to be on Instagram or Facebook, but we put content up. It just takes a minute to look at the content. Yeah. Certainly it takes a little more than a minute to go through the podcast. Um, if they have to make their homework, their academics is number one. But if you're all in, you're all in. You're either a one or a two. Yeah. So the homework from A to Z, all these routines, you know, um, you know push-ups. You do one push-up, you start to grow muscles. You know, you, you know, you, You've known somebody because we have kids come and go. It's, they're not coming as as frequently right now because of the pandemic. But you know, somebody will come and see us three, four times a year, and they still can't do push-ups. Yeah. So um, it gets discouraging. Well, that's where you know you, you fill out those goal sheets and things like that, and you go, "Hey, look, you said it. This is you know, this is what you said you wanted to do. You wanted to you know play for a big college or go pro or whatever it may be." win a national tournament, but you got to obey your own goals. You said the other day, I heard you say on the court, the kid, you know, don't be so relaxed here with everything, you know, your work ethic and everything. And then you go freak out on the weekend on the tournament. Yeah. You know, it's like work your tail off during the week. And then like Wayne Bryan, you say you want to play college tennis, go watch a college tennis match. Um, um, you know, there's three all your team. You're the last guy out there. You know, Wayne, Brian, when do you start in the embryonic stages? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go through the, the, the idea of trenches is you're really not in the trenches. You're not digging a ditch. Um, but we say trench pro. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot of people that are administrators. They're a director. I mean, they, they could be the program owner, club owner. And fair enough. Maybe at one time they were in the trenches. They were out there in the hot sun dealing with sure. young kids, trying to get them to slow down and listen and, and improve. But there are some people that have really never been in the trenches. I think a lot of times people, they find their way to be in the air conditioning. They find their way to carry the briefcase and they're just farming out the work. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times a tennis director, um, they're just giving lessons to the best players at their facility. 
but the on-court coach, the coaches that are in the trenches, they need support. Generally, there's usually there's not enough communication. The owners, directors, parents, they need to support the trench pro. So they themselves, they need to be trained. They can't be pretentious about it. Um, the parents, everybody involved needs consumer knowledge. A lot of times the parents are just blindly writing checks. Mm. There's just this trust factor. Uh, then also there's a credibility factor. Well, the person was a really good player. Yeah. Um, the teachers, they need product knowledge. If there is a product, if there is product knowledge, there's a product and you should be able to produce it. It should look, oh, that looks like a serve. Yeah. Now, uh, that's the unfortunate thing about tennis. Like say, for example, I mean, I grew up on a lake and my mother was emphatic about we had to take swimming lessons up to a certain level. Um, I went to a prep school where you had to swim a mile to graduate. Knew nothing about swimming, though. But you can look and tell if someone can swim. Yeah. You know, they the, stay afloat. Uh, <laughs> they afloat. I mean, they look, like, they look like a dead fish. I mean, with um, same thing with ice skating. You don't have to, you don't, you can, I mean, if you've never seen skating, you've never seen ice, and then you see someone who can't skate, you know they can't skate. <laughs> but in tennis, anything goes. You can look at someone and they can't really tell a palm up serve from a palm down serve. Yeah. I mean, I know um, with um, a young kid that we worked with for years, uh, he's still out there and still getting better. Um, he spent with his sister uh, close to five years with Victor Lilov and his sister. She's a scholar. We're at an academy. We're at a place where there's an academy. And I told the sister, because, you know, I was there to help out and chart and such. I said, there's four private lessons. They're all working on serves. They all have problems with their serve. She comes back and goes, they all have palm up. Yeah. And I go, and the coaches don't know it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. With, um, so again, the, the people in the trenches, they need the support. Um, we go a little bit deeper on this. Um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Does the person in charge, does the director stand up to the critics, the naysayers? Um, I just thought of a couple of examples. I think of uh, Harvard, they used the great base curriculum for uh, 12 uh, years. Yeah. Dave Fish. Yeah. Easygoing guy. And you're better off. He's not one to bark, but your bite the bite is better than the bark anyway. So not to get into names, but there was a, a couple people teaching juniors and teaching adults on the Harvard campus and they were being uh, negative. They were um, bad mouthing the great base curriculum. And really to do that, I know some people will say, well, you need to blend in other methods. What do you mean blend in other methods? The great base is, a, is blend. a blend of methods. <laughs> it is a blend of other methods yeah. because they don't know. They don't know the two levels of ignorance. But no, Dave Fish just stepped up and said, uh, you're either supporting what they're doing or you're not working here. Mm -hmm. um, I was one time uh, training the coaches uh, at Roddix, and I, mean, I was asked the same question over and over again. And uh, Myron Grunberg, who was in charge at that time, he basically said, if you ask the same question again, you can pack your bags and leave. And it's like, how many times can he just tell you? Here, here's the, the the logic and the science behind it. Yeah, uh, Vic Braden, if you have the rationale, you know, I, 
the, um, you know, a proven track record really helps. Proven track record really helps. Yeah. With, um, but the problem with that, I mentioned Carl Hale said this, he's a Canadian, runs a Canadian Open, and he's been around tennis for a long time and said, you know, really the problem in tennis is uh, credibility is based on being around, you know, the marquee players. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking the young kid from being a beginner to playing college tennis, they're progressing. You know, that's not really looked upon as credibility. It should be. The other thing, too, is that there's always going to be the exception, right? So you're going to find someone where they go, well, so-and-so does it, and they're able to make it work, and and that's true. There's No, no, you know, I'm glad you said that. You know, you can't, the movie Chariots of Fire, you can't put in what God left out, and the intangibles. Mm. Um, I was sitting the other day with a dad from Canada, and we are watching his son play, and I said, yeah, but you're his dad, you know? Um, I go, no, it's, I'm just watching him. I go, it's, no, it's just all about the intangibles. And the, uh, the intangibles, obviously, uh, you know, they can be seen. If you say, oh, you can't see the intangibles. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent. Yeah. With, um, you know, just how nervous the kid is and just the, the shot selections, they, the, how they make, how they, re, how they act in between points and, whether they greet you in the morning. Yes, good morning, Andy. But no, I'm glad you said that because uh, it's not just all about technique, that's for sure. You're welcome, Tec- Dr. Smith. And Dr. Fitzell. With, is the teacher competent? You know, do they have students? You know, parents don't really um, figure this out. Do they have students that have progressed under the coach's leadership? Or are they um, developmental players? You know, sometimes recruiting, it's not pure recruiting. It's not intentional because players bring players. You start working with one player, then yeah. another another player will come. So right. um, some teaching pros are stranded. It's like they're left on an island because the disconnect is almost like they're an outcast because they want to slow the kids down. They want to teach. And, you know, they've done their homework. And that's where there needs to be meetings um, with, it's like, who's writing the check? Really, the parent needs to be the boss. They're the one writing the check, but they don't have the consumer knowledge. Yeah. So education needs to come into it. Um, you know, the, the club owner, you, you know, well, we're going to keep everybody happy. Well, you're not going to keep everybody happy. Yeah. I don't know the key to success, but I know the key to failure, keep everybody happy. You know, the umpire is just going to say, ready, play. My experience is that the, you know, the, as far as the ego that gets involved with that is usually, you know, the better the player, the bigger the ego, you know, or the better they were <laughs> in the past, um, that gets in the way, you know, where if someone wasn't as good a player, but they understand the information more, let's say, and, you know, but then they're. Yeah. A lot of times the players. You know, uh, playing level. Tip, typically, I hate to say it, but typically the players don't do the work. Tennis parents should know that most tennis pros are not well-read. In Tennis Magazine, and, or listen to the Tennis Channel, that doesn't mean you're well-informed. Um, are you telling me listening to the commentators on the Tennis Channel is not going to get me informed? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to put my mic down and leave. I'm going to win the lottery, and I'm going to take out a full-page ad here, there, and everywhere, and it's going to say, 
clinic for TV commentators. Yeah, we've talked no, about it. No one's going to come. No one's going to come, but just oh. out of principle. Uh, you know, you, I love listening to commentators, though. I mean, you, yeah. it, not so much on the technical side. But. Really? I'm just kidding. You hear that everyone's on the same page? No. They're not even in the they're same. Not, they're not from the same book. Yeah. Selling tennis. It'd be best if tennis was sold through the parents. The norm is to sell it through the child. Um, with If there is a growth and development, is there improvement? This improvement takes place. Anything that measure can be improved. Yeah, and these days, if I were a parent, be like, show me the video. I want to see how my kid was hitting the ball at the beginning of this camp, and I want to see how he's hitting the ball now. No, that's why we, that's number one reason we make videos is no one's going to come back and tell us, you didn't help my game. The Bra- Vic Braid line, what game? Like, yeah, what are you talking about? You're palm up and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and you were 07, 07 on the tiebreaker with a courtesy yeah. feed coming to you at 30 miles an hour. It's like, let me remind Here you Here comes the forehand. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, look at this. Oh, and that's the way, I mean, a college team should work the same way. You get on campus, the recruiting process is over, the honeymoon's over. It's like, okay, kid. Yeah. Um, parent meetings. There should be a bunch of them. Individual meetings, group meetings. You know, in a group meeting, some people cannot say things directly. They're um, hesitant to say it like it really is. You can say anyone, anything you want. Say, well, here are some problems. And you say it to the entire group of parents. And, you know, usually the person saying, well, that's not me. That's the person next to me. And do it with a smile on your face when you say yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, we have content. Um, the parents should study the content. Um Parents should be aware or are their children studying the content. Yeah, let me just give a quick shout out. You go to greatbasetennis.com. You can sign up there for free. You just gotta put you gotta put in your email. We're not doing anything with it. We're not sending you anything. And or go to YouTube and or study the content on Facebook or Instagram. All right. The history, the mentors that were uh, that are behind our study of tennis, what we've assembled. Um so many things, but education of the parent is key. But I think the key for improving you know, tennis, say here in the U.S., is got to educate the parents because if the parent were to know, um, then all of a sudden, if the parent was knowledgeable and they're one writing the checks, yeah. then the then the club owners and the um, the really, coaches, everybody's going to start studying more. You know, um, yeah. what happens? is programs protect one another unknowingly programs protect one another you know pick a city it could be syracuse it could be seattle it could be shreveport and um it, how many programs are really you know producing players mm-hmm. and but you know then you have to but that's one thing about filming and whatever is the, the parents bop and shop and then do people start the course and stay the course? Do they hang, hang around long enough to to get to get involved uh, to well, get I, deep into the study? You know, back to that too. That's a confusing part. Is a lot of programs or academies will, will recruit players or bring players in, and and they use that as a marketing tool. No, no. There's and one one so, academy that you know, they, the they give out scholarships. Uh, they give out scholarships uh, to kids that are going to be seniors, and then they. They market where they're going off to college. Yeah. So consumer beware. Crystal ball. This is with, for all parties. Fact-based instruction for long-term development. 
everyone has an opinion. You know, why, why are coaches bad mouth? You know, sometimes, okay, they deserve it, but with typically it's about money. It's about ego. Coaches can become possessive. Um, and to grow the game, it'd be so much better if um, the coaches, you know, you, you, the parents, if they went from one place to the next, that there'd be continuity. In yeah. the, the governing bodies of tennis in this country, the alphabet soup, the USPTA, I was a tester. I've been a member, I'm going to guess, 40 years. Uh, PTR, maybe 42. Um, with our people really being trained competently. I mean, and, and again, it's just, it's not a matter of pointing fingers. Everybody's involved. Um, you know, I, I don't think you want to ever take the dream away from someone. You can be a great player, but you have to have great skills. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, say, for example, in basketball, people stand this way, toes, shoulders for a foul shot. People in track, this is how you're going to this is how you're coming out of the run, the, the starting blocks. I mean, the three-point stance in football. They're just fundamentals that are accepted. But in tennis, we talk about that quite a bit. It's like, well, you, you know, I got some new secrets. I've invented the forehand. This is how yeah. you do it. Well, so-and-so does it this way, and you just do what feels comfortable, what feels natural. Accountability. Um, so many people pretend that everything <clears throat> with your instructional program is all hunky-dory. Often small cities and large clubs don't produce one college tennis player per year. It's because how young people are taught. Um, that's, a, you know, where does the problem start? The beginning. Um, a lot of the coaches, this is, this is a problem. They'll, you know, so they, they work with players and they don't really progress. And they'll say, well, they really weren't that athletic. Well, they really didn't work very hard. Well, they're proud. Their parents were crazy. Yeah. So no, no, no. Um, you had the opportunity to work with them. Did they get better? Mm-hmm. A large percentage of former players. That's another problem. Large players they skip working with younger players. Now, even when say someone plays, they play college tennis. And let's face it, there's that's how a lot of people get get started. Is you know, maybe they didn't even make their college lineup, but they're the best player in their area and they go back home and they're a glorified sparring partner because the parents thinking this is a shortcut. I've got my, my daughter, she's on a public court hitting with this former college player. Yeah. And you know, the sparring partner, um, the glorified sparring partner, next thing you know, they're talking and they shouldn't have a speaking part. It's like, and Boxing, the sparring partner wears a helmet and a mouth guard. They don't say anything. Yeah. But uh, so say if someone does go on and they play at advanced level, they play beyond junior tennis, they don't come back and go back and and relearn how they were taught as a youngster. So as we mentioned Lynette Federer all the time, you know, if you want to know what Roger was doing when he's eight, ask his mother. Don't ask him. Yeah. And or or his father. So, you know, what do you do when you're a college player? Well, we do cross courts, we do down the lines, we do a lot of fitness, we play some tiebreakers, we play some dubs, and then now you're in charge of teaching 24 10-year-olds. Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) Um, With, 
you mentioned from the get-go, it's in my notes here, orientation. Yeah. Um, you know, why are people hired? Are they hired because they can hit the ball? Are they hired because they have person, you know, they're good, they have good people skills? Um, with, you know, why does, why does the tennis director work with the top players? Um, you know, why do you go places and um, you'll hear this? Well, in the junior drill sessions, that's what they are, drill sessions. If you really want some private instruction, you got to work one-on-one. And that, that makes tennis way too expensive, way too expensive. Yeah. Um, the blind leading the blind, many times what happens with young players is they're taught by young teachers. You know, typically, especially in the summer, um, who's teaching the tennis for tots class? You know, right. you get some. Maybe a high schooler. A high schooler with bubbly personality. Yeah. Um, and that's not good. Yep. That's not good. Staff meetings. Staff meetings are almost never about improvement. They're almost never about nuts and the nuts and bolts of players. They're almost never about becoming a better teacher. Like never about the X's and O's. It's just about the money. You know, certain enough, sometimes there's complaints. Um, that's where it's very important to have a kid write down, okay, I want to uh, play tournament tennis. You know, even in the beginning, a kid, young kid comes out and say, would you be interested in playing tournament tennis? You know, mm-hmm. it's just like asking a young soccer player, you're coming out, would you like to play on a team? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to teach you some skills. Yeah. Um, just to close this out, the word team, uh, together everyone accomplishes more. Michael Jordan, there's no I in team. He looked at his coach, yeah, but there's an I in win. <laughs> but you know, have to get united. You have to be able to interface programs. This is a crisis in American tennis. That you know, say the ten and under group, what they're working on has nothing to do with what the older kids are working on. And that's where it always come back. And that pie graph is you have to continually do some basics. I think that seems to be for me when I just look at this. Okay, the biggest challenge is. People are trying to get new players into the game, whether it's beginning, you know, young younger kids or even beginning adults, and they want that introduction to be fun so that they can enjoy the game, right? It's got to be fun. You get them, you know, get them into it. You know, like last week with Kevin Record, interviewed him. You know, he he would get people excited about the game by learning the tweener. So it's like you've got to get people to enjoy it, have some fun, but at the same time, they need to have a good start fundamentally so that then they actually will be able to have fun because they can rally. So that's the real challenge is you've got to, you've got to make it fun learning the fundamentals. Trick them, like you, you know, you're saying. It was um, certainly fun to listen to Kevin. He's making it fun. He's created yeah. a culture, 100 people so I think it just, playing tennis. Education, it goes back to, you know, education and then, and then, personality, the creativity of the pro to teach those fundamentals in a fun way that's going to get everybody excited about it. And, you know, not, I don't want to say sell out, but just, you know, don't, don't quit on that mission of just giving people a good start to tennis fundamentally. The, um, okay, let's just play play jail or whatever, you know, that you see with a lot of young kids and things like that. You mentioned people looking for new players that should be the case, but there's too many merchants of flesh 
they're out there handing out business cards on the weekend to kids who can already play. It's like, okay, I want to coach the kid who's on third base about to score yeah. instead of getting more people to play the game. Yeah. And that, that really hurts as far as growth is concerned. Yeah, That's where that expression, take care of your own. You know, you're in charge of this club. Yeah. You're in charge of this, you know, public park. Blossom where you're planted. Yeah. Okay, winding down, Billie Jean King. Subordinates understand what the coordinates are doing, but the coordinates don't understand what the subordinates are doing. Let me say that again. Did you get that? Yeah, maybe. Subordinates understand what the coordinates are doing, but the coordinates don't understand what the subordinates are doing. In other words, like the U.S., the governing body of tennis, the USTA, they have a public agenda. Now, obviously, those in the private sector have an agenda, but we in the private sector, we know what the agenda is, the public agenda. Uh, Does the U.S. USTA or the members, the, the, the agenda, what they're putting forth to help young players, that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. learn to play the game, mm-hmm. do they understand what members of the private sector are doing? I think that's not just for you, State. That's governing bodies around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the one, you know, in the ivory white tower, you know, they're looking down and, you know, what are they doing for the private sector? Is that understood? Is it fouled? Should it be fouled? Um, you know, people do complain about their, their federations. You know, I think that it's, it's unfortunate with the USTA is that so many people will badmouth the USTA, but it's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah it's easy to, how's it go? Uh, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, program content, curriculum, like say with what we have, it can be adaptable up to a point, up to a point. I mean, the strings have to be going towards the target. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's all, it comes down to the physics. You know, it can't be witchcraft. Um, in the U.S., um, how is the net generation program doing? I know it's influenced by the Australian hotshots program. Um I believe his name is Craig Morris. I haven't met him, but he was part of Tennis Australia and he's in charge of net generation. Again, I'm an outsider. I'm the um, subordinate with a coordinate. Um, you know, all you need to find out about net generation, you just have to get online. Now, we, we have a chance to walk by it every every day. We're five and a half miles from the USTA. We can mm-hmm. just look over at the courts. Mm-hmm. Um are people, are there lots of kids on the court? Are they, can they serve? Do they have palm down serves? Can they, can they rally? Can they play? Yeah. But in all fairness to the people who are teaching, you know, you take a, take a quick glance. You don't know that they, that, that kid or that group of kids that you're looking at, it might be their first day. Yeah. You know, they maybe they've only been there two or three times. Yeah. Um, with, um, but to be fair and be objective, evaluating tennis instruction for young people I like how the USTA, um, they have people who travel from tournament to tournament to evaluate um, umpires, lines people. And, you know, there's a system on how, how do you get to work at the US Open. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, how many kids are playing, the retention, are they falling in love with tennis? Are they staying with tennis? Um, it. Tennis needs to be presented in a manner where it costs less. I think it's really a matter of taking tennis to the garage, the carport, the park, the driveway, the parking lot. Yeah. Um, 
we have to find ways to better to create better communities, uh, like community service to have, you know, you know would an older player once a week, they could do that within a tennis club. Do older players, I know they're busy, but do they come out and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work with a skill acquisition, skill acquisition group or the early childhood development group. I'm going to work with them once a week. Are they doing community service? Mm. Um, are, are there, are they, you know, the kids at a private facility, are they helping out inner city kids at a free clinic? Right. Um, okay, back. They're, they're going to, well, I'm going to a tournament this this month I'm going to two tournaments, but on one of those weekends, there's four weekends in a month. Yeah, a group of us from our club are going to go and we're going to help teach tennis. So then, um, I really think that in having studied the Spanish system, it, it really shouldn't be, you know, like in every street corner, there's a different way to teach the forehand. This is the forehand, you know, high, low, high, circular swing, yeah, green on basics. So more interacting, more volunteers, more giving. Um, it has to be charitable. I mean, I think that's where, um, you know, use this phrase from our, our young Irish friend, um, Fergus O'Rourke was here, one of his uh, colleagues. Are you a parasite or are you a producer? Mm-hmm. Are you living off the game or are you giving back? Or are you doing something for the game? Yeah. So I think really in the end, uh, hopefully some of the things we've said is first is each and every one of us has to, has to ask, what are we doing to help young people? You know, it could be new people, not only children, but entry level adults. How are we, how are we helping them get in the game? Um, yeah, get then, in the game and stay in the game. Right. Then, then, you know, then the idea to, to become a team. So yeah, I love America, but I'm not, you know, I'm a little disappointed with American tennis instruction. You know, I'd like to say, hey, we're doing our part. You know, we've, I mean, I've always been involved with free clinics and doing this and doing that. And, but we're putting out free content. And the free content, I hope it's just not misinterpreted that, you know, we're just, you know, saying, okay, this is how we see the forehand. You know, this is, you know, there's so much history to what we're doing. But, um, yeah, the, that's enough for me over and out. But with, yeah, I was just going to add, I mean, I and you said it a little bit about other federations, but it, it really is worldwide. I mean, you know, you've spent a lot of time around the world. I've traveled around the world and lived in Germany the last four years, and it's the same problems. I mean, um, you know, the same stuff's going on. And I think one of the problems online today, we say this a lot too, is a lot of maybe misinformation is going out so fast, but people are just trying to sell the new hotness, you know, they're trying to sell the, the kit car that, Hey, you want to look like a Ferrari, but it's like, Hey, you got to build that Ferrari piece by piece. That engine, you may look like it a little bit from the outside, but you don't have the inner workings of a real Ferrari, you know? Um, so it's like, you just, yeah, you got to get the base and, and people are just selling, you know, the forehand of the serve are the two most searched things on the internet. And so they're going to hit those hard and, Know, lag and snap or whatever, whatever it may be kind of, you know, how long is the, it's like <laughs> the modern forehand, you know, when did they first talk, start talking about that? 80s, 90s yeah, and, and now, now it's next gen and like whatever it, people try to reinvent it all the time. So what can each and every one of us do to help newcomers to the game? But also what can we do collectively 
Um, I'll just end by saying, well, in basketball, this is how you stand at the foul line. Coming out of the starting blocks, the stance to hit a golf ball, you know, a baseball player catching a ball, how they take a bad hop from shortstop. Can we at least agree on the ready position? Can we agree on the tennis court's a rectangle? No. Can we agree that water runs downhill? And no. <laughs> uh, I think that probably not. Um, until that happens, yeah. And that, that's where again, it's not to point fingers to the USTA, but the I think country by country, the leadership is um, the most powerful people in the game are the players. Yeah, and that's again where because they're always you're going to see the exception. There's always going to be an unorthodox player or somebody you know that wins, and they're going to go, "Well, look at so and so." And it's like, "Hey, yeah, that's true." Now, intangibles and and really, when it comes down to the physics of it all, they're still going to do what it takes to get the racket into the right position at the impact point. Well, let me say this: is that Roger Federer's his name is going to be mentioned as most popular person in the game. And really, in many ways, he could be the most powerful person in the game. But it, I think the, a huge mistake over and over and over again, it's just amazing. It's just amazing that we need to teach basics. It's not a matter of studying Roger Federer and how he's playing now or Nadal or Djokovic yeah. or whoever. Yeah. And then you're going to talk to an, a beginning tennis player. Well, this is how Nadal does it. This is how Roger does it. Yeah. Um, I equate that to your With all the jargon, too. With all the... You're learning to play the saxophone. Business. You know, if Roger Federer, one time, he had to pick the racket up and he had to start. Yeah. With mother became a volunteer coach and there's so much history. Kid's going to play the saxophone, violin, it's okay. I mean, I always tell a piano player, you play with your palms down or your palms up. You, when you sit in the chair, and I know people can play sitting on the sit in the chair backwards and yeah. you know, play upside play down or whatever. Behind your head. But it. that, it's just, it's to me, it, you know, I'll shut up with Mike Larshot. I think the analogy of print yeah. coach that we've trained years ago, like a quarter of a century ago, print cursive, and then your signature and autograph. And he says, it's true. It's an injustice. Yeah. Uh, we have to come together like the great base. I know you tell me, Hey, you know, it's not true. The great base is really for all levels of play. But it really should be, I mean, I have no problem saying, no, it should be adopted by the USTA. Um, you know, the red ball, yellow ball, they have so many great people, great causes but with, you know, you know, it comes down to all these teachers. And, you know, in our course, um, tennis intelligence play, we mentioned over 100 coaches, but just you think, okay, Braden, I mean, just like with Jacobson and people talking about tennis analytics now. I tell Warren Pretorius all the time, the real analytics. Yeah. Grip, swing, body. Grip, swing, and body. Let's start with the grip. You know, it's like play site. It's an amazing tool. But it's not talking to you about the angle. The grip determines the angle of the racket face, angle of the racket face, angle of the racket path. Yeah. And um, tennis has improved at the highest levels, but... You know, I think you have to really question that when you go to down to college and high school and juniors. Um, yeah. But anyway, those are some thoughts coming from our corner of the world on how to teach young players. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you get a chance or when you get a chance, give us a rating. You know, go into iTunes and give us one of those ratings. Maybe write a comment. Let us know what you think. Dr. Fitzell. Dr. Smith. Uh, Thanks, Check Dr. us out online. 
at greatbasetennis, greatbasetennis.com. Got some resources there and more on the way. Till the next time. Thanks for listening.